Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric begins a series about the temptation of Jesus from Matthew chapter 4. Following Jesus' spiritual high of his anointing by God in chapter 3, Jesus is burdened by hardships and spiritual warfare. Jesus persevered in righteousness while resisting temptation. Satan tried to discredit him, and he will attempt to for us. But as Christians, we are children of God, valued by God, redeemed by God, secure in God. Do you rest in this identity when facing temptations? And now, here's Pastor Eric. As we begin today a, a new sermon series on the testing or the temptation of Christ, I'm going to invite you to open to Matthew chapter 4. I really felt like it would be such a great thing if we could get into a series, and I feel like uh, this is going to be a great series that even has application for today, for our graduates, for the class of 2021. We're going to do three weeks or three parts on the testing or the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. And I've titled today's sermon, Not by Bread Alone. Class of 2021, this has been on my heart, and, but not just for the class of 2021, but also for high schoolers and middle schoolers and elementary you know, kids, but also this applies for us as adults too. And, and here's my encouragement. Please don't let culture misdefine the successful life for you. Please don't let culture misdefine the successful life for you. you. You are in places, and our children, even elementary school, are in places every day where you are hearing what the successful life is. The successful life is make good grades, pass your milestones, emphasize testing. The successful thing is to go to a magnet program. The successful life is if you excel in the athletics. The successful life is if you get the scholarships. The successful life is if you, uh, whatever, you know, you, you can make lots of money or you can get the good job. Or the successful life is being popular or, or doing what makes you happy or feel good. And all of that's really, uh, yes, nice, but is ultimately it's not the end goal. Um, don't let culture misdefine the successful life for you. A wise pastor said it this way. We can succeed in the eyes of men, yet fail in the sight of God. And that's my worry is that all of our children, even, even mine, that they're learning to succeed in the eyes of men, to, to, to do this and to do that and to be successful, whatever, in athletics or in the uh, academics or be, to be successful in life or to be happy and to be successful in the eyes of men, but then to look back at the end of life and go, but I failed in the, the sight of God, right? It is possible to su succeed in the eyes of men and yet fail in the sight of God. And so I think today, this first section of the temptation of Christ will help us as we, we talk about these things. I was led to a, a painting by Ivan Krumskoy in 1872. Interesting enough, Miss Karen gave me this. It was in a newspaper, a local newspaper uh, recently, and it was just a, a really interesting picture that you have here of Christ and barrenness and kind of between the, the heavens and the earth, and it's, it is barren, and you can't tell in the real picture if it's, if it's dawn or if it's dusk or, or what's going on, but he looks older, he looks weary, he looks 
He looks uh, burdened in many ways. And just a neat picture that this man from Russia painted in 1872, Christ in the Wilderness. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about this theme. Matthew chapter 4 will be our text, verses 1 through 11. Although today, for this sermon, not by bread alone, we're just going to look at the first four verses. But I want you to get the context of Matthew chapter 4. Class of 2020, Matthew chapter 4 follows Matthew chapter... Oh, three. Yeah, you got it. I I mean, it's good. Deep, deep stuff. Write that down. That's a good note. Four follows three. We've done great. Uh, It does. Matthew chapter four follows Matthew chapter three, the very end. What what happened in Matthew chapter three? This is so important. In Matthew chapter three, at the very end, Jesus was baptized. So following Jesus' baptism, the Spirit of God anoints Jesus at his baptism. And the Spirit of God then leads Jesus into the wilderness. You see, Matthew chapter 3 is so important because right there, Jesus is baptized. The Bible says, Behold, the heavens were opened to Him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Him. So the Spirit of God anoints Jesus. And then you have the last verse of chapter 3. And behold, a voice from heaven said, three times the, the Father's voice broke through the silence, and this was one of them. The first, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So the context of four is is three. Following the baptism, the, the Spirit has anointed Jesus, and then the Spirit impels Him or sends Him up into the barren land, into the wilderness. And it was there that Jesus was isolated. Jesus is quarantined. Jesus is by Himself for 40 days. And during those 40 days, He was fasting. Right? He wasn't eating. He was fasting, the Bible says, for 40 days and 40 nights. It's there in the wilderness that Jesus would be proven authentic. That that Jesus would be proven to be the Messiah. Graduates, you had to pass tests. It's here that Jesus was passing the test. He was showing that He could ace everything. Proven. So that He could go and call disciples. So He could go and and preach the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. We know that the context is this, that the tempter, the devil, tempted Jesus directly. I don't know that I deal with Satan directly. He's a created being, so it means he has to be in one place at one time. But here he was with Jesus. I believe I probably have demonic forces that we're up against. But here the tempter, the devil, tempts him directly. Perhaps all throughout those 40 days. But here at the end of those days, specifically, when Jesus, the Bible says, was hungry. He was hungry. Did you notice? Following the high voice, this this spiritual high, the voice at the baptism, comes the hardship, the voice of the adversary in the wilderness. That's kind of how our life sometimes is. Sometimes it's highs and lows. It's ups and downs. This, This high moment. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And then a different voice in the wilderness. The voice of the tempter. And filled with hardship, filled with burden. We see in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, three main temptations or three main tests. That Greek word can mean test. Some translate it test, some translate it temptation. But there are three main ones. We're only going to look at the one uh, today, the first, and then in the weeks to come, we'll look at number two and number three. Jesus was tested, Jesus was tempted. We need to notice this about temptation. That being tempted 
It's not a sin. Giving in to temptation is sin. Hear the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. But God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Being tempted is not a sin. Giving in to the temptation is sin. But the Bible says that temptations are bearable, that they are escapable, that, that God Himself gives us the way. Now, oftentimes we don't take the way. We take other ways. But Jesus here is tempted, or perhaps you would say He's tried. He's tested. The truth is this, based on the book of James. God tries, Satan tempts. God tests, but Satan tempts. And also our sinful desires within our broken and fallen wicked hearts tempt us. Listen to the book of James. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, under the test. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. You see, Satan tempts, God tries, God tests the desires, where do they come from? Look at verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth, birth to sin. Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Temptations, they're hard, but they're bearable. I thought about this, class of 2021, but also for all of us as Christians who are trying to live in this world the Christian life is not about cushions. Who sold you that lie? The mattress salesman, the prosperity preacher that will sell you the easy boy recliner Christianity that says, oh, the Christian life is all about cushions. The Christian life is about hardship. The Christian life is about suffering. The Christian life is, is not cushions. And here, are our, even our Savior, before He begins His earthly ministry, He doesn't go for the cushion experience. This is a, a testing. This is a, a trial. This is a temptation, but it's totally bearable, and we see that Jesus is victorious. The context shows us that Jesus is in the wilderness, the Bible says, for 40 days and 40 nights. And so it's here that Matthew gives us a, a picture, a contrast, if you will, Israel versus Jesus. Israel's 40 years of failure in the wilderness and Jesus' 40 days of victory in the wilderness. The Israelites, for 40 years, they failed. But Christ, for 40 days, He was victorious. And so Christ is Better, he is superior. You could contrast it this way. Jesus' victory in the fallen wilderness for those 40 days stands in contrast to the Israelites' failure in the wilderness for 40 years. And of course, it also stands in contrast to this. Adam's failure in the perfect garden. Jesus' victory in the terrible, broken, barren wilderness. You see, one fell in perfection and the other in, in total brokenness. He was perfect. Jesus is perfect in the fallen. The Bible says 40. You know that number 40 is significant in the Bible? Oftentimes it has to deal with testing or, or a trying or approving 40. 
The flood rain fell for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights with God, not once but twice. The 12 spies that went into Canaan observed and explored the land for 40 days. King David reigned 40 years. King Solomon reigned 40 years. Elijah journeyed 40 days and 40 nights to meet with God. Jesus here in Matthew 4 fasts. He was in the desert 40 days, 40 nights. Later on when he would rise from the grave, he would appear for 40 days. But let's look now after seeing the context. Let's look at the content of the first area of temptation. Temptation number one. Matthew 4 verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, then, following that voice from heaven, then Jesus was led up, up in terrain, up into those wilderness mountains to the northwest, I'm told. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil, to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. We all would be. And the tempter, the adversary, came and said to him, key first word, if... If you are the Son of God, implied then, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In this first area of temptation, we see two main enemy attacks. Did you see them? Once you see number one, that Jesus' identity and Jesus' title are attacked. His identity is attacked. His, his title as the Son of God is being attacked. Look at what the devil does in, in verse three. The tempter came and said to them, it's an if-then argument. If you are the Son of God. If that really is your identity, if the voice from above said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, if you really are the Son of God, then you, you have it in your power to prove your identity, then command these stones to become bread. If that really is your title as the Son of God, then show it, prove it. If you are hungry, feed yourself. So the first main attack is the attack against the identity, the title, if then. And the other temptations, as we'll see in the weeks to come, are also these if then temptations. If this, then, then why not this? You know, your sense of identity is really important. And then from elementary school, middle school, high school on, the students are playing with that, like, what's, what's my identity? Am I this? Am I that? We, they try on a lot of hats. We all do. Sometimes as adults, we have these identity crises, and we, we try to get an identity, you know, in, in a different area. We're all looking for identity. Where's my sense of value, my sense of worth, my sense of belonging, maybe my, maybe my hobby, my sport, my, my fine art, maybe my grades give me identity. Or maybe it's my status, as a, this is my job, this is what I make, or this is, I'm a grandfather, I'm a mother, a father. I, we, we all try to find identity in a lot of different places. And that, it's important that you find your identity in the, the right thing. We sang it today. I am a child of God. Your sense of identity is important, but also your sense of security in that. That I am secure in my identity as a child of God. Right? Or my, 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 I'm secure in that. I don't have, Jesus was secure in his identity as the Son of God. He didn't have to prove that. He didn't doubt that. He didn't have to waver and go, am I really the, this, am I really the beloved Son in whom he's well pleased? Am I really the Son of God? Well, you know, I'm going to test and, and, and do this and try to prove it. Or I really, I really care what the tempter thinks about me. So 
having our security in that identity and having the real important, right, this is who I am, it's, it's so important because you're going to face pressure today to doubt your identity. Am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? Do I really believe the Word of God? Is this? You're going to be tempted to doubt your identity. You're going to be tempted to prove your identity. Prove it on campus. Prove it. Prove to me that you're a Christian. Prove to me this. Prove to me that your identity is not just a hoax. Uh, you're going to try to, you know, you're going to be tempted to try to prove it in a wrong way. Identity is important. That's important to me. Do you know what my identity is not? Pastor, minister. That's a real horrible identity to try to have. Because when I, get, when I start to look for my sense of value and self-worth in my, in my ministry that I am a pastor, I start to judge it by how well I preach or how miserable I preach. I start to judge it by how faithful you are or aren't or people in the pew. I start to look at, at all the other stupid statistics and growth. I, if I look for my sense of value and meaning in being a pastor, it leads into... Ugh. So I'm reminded, where's, what's my identity? Redeemed, saved, child of God. That's my identity, and I have to have security in that. You, you try to start looking at your identity in the wrong... What happens when it's removed? What happens when you're no longer that... I don't know, like whatever it is. Like I'm no longer in that job. I've retired. I'm no longer that athlete. I'm no longer that, that role in school. And then you graduate high school and you think, oh, man, I've got an identity crisis. I don't know who I am anymore. Was that some of you? You graduated and you thought, whoa, what next? Right? And we just, we're always looking for, like, am I attractive? Am I valuable? Where do I, where do I find that? So the, the first temptation is sort of that. If you are the Son of God, if that is your identity, if that is your title, and it was, that was true. The second main enemy attack was this. Jesus' sense of hunger is being attacked. How many of you know being hungry is not a sin? It's not. God gave us a hunger drive so we could live. God gave us a thirst drive so we could live. God gave us a sex drive so we could live. There's nothing wrong with the drives. Abusing them, exercising them apart from God's plan and timing and way, that, that's the sin. But Jesus' sense of hunger is attacked. The Bible says in Matthew, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, at the end of those days, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to them, if you are the son of God, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. You have that power, do it. You're hungry, eat. Nothing wrong with eating. Nothing wrong with bread. Jesus would later teach, we pray, Father, give us today our daily bread. Jesus would give the 5,000 bread and fish, right? But this is the temptation to appeal to the lust of the flesh. In Matthew chapter 4, and then also in Genesis chapter 3, the temptation with Adam and Eve, we go to a key verse in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, John, under the inspiration of the Spirit, tells us that temptation falls into three areas. Every temptation falls into one of these three areas. 1 John 2, 16 says that for all that's in the world, number one, the lust of the flesh, number two, the lust of the eyes, and number three, the pride of life or pride in possessions, he says, is not from the Father, but is from the world. This temptation of Jesus is this lust of the lust of the flesh the appeal to the flesh you're hungry it's lust of the flesh for Adam and Eve we see the phrase in Genesis 3 6 when it says and she and she saw that it was good for food it's desirable for food right it's, it's the flesh it, it appeals to that so his identity is attacked his title his his hunger that natural thing attacked but who is really 
the aggressor in the temptation in the wilderness. Jesus doesn't sit back and play defense. Jesus actually becomes the aggressor with a counterattack. And so I want us to see next the counterattack. Jesus' counterattack is mainly this. Jesus counters, he attacks the temptation with the truth. He attacks the temptation with truth. And we have to also, in our minds, we have to know the truth. Know enemy, uh, the truth. You don't have a seat at my table. I'm not going to listen to that voice. I'm not going to believe the, the culture and let them mystify the successful life for me. And I'm not going to believe sometimes my own voices. No, this is the truth. I root myself in my identity in Christ and have security in that. Each time Jesus responds to the temptation with these words, it is written. It is written. And guess what? He quotes Scripture. And he quotes Deuteronomy. Right? Those books written in the wilderness to show that where Israel failed, Christ was going to succeed in His 40. It is written, see Deuteronomy. It is written, see Deuteronomy. And first here in Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus proclaims the truth. You need to counterattack the cultural lie. No, wait a minute. Life ain't about scholarships and college and, and money and, and possessions and retirement so I can at the end look back and go, what did I do with my life? You know, It's not just about bread. We have to counterattack the, the lie. No, it's not. That may be nice, but that's not the ultimate successful life that they may be selling you. So Jesus is going to counterattack with the truth. And we see two main truths. Here's truth number one in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus teaches this, seek the spiritual above the temporal. Seek the spiritual above the temporal. Seek the spiritual above the, the material. He says this, man shall not live by bread alone. Notice the words by bread alone. Nothing wrong with bread. We need bread to live. And Jesus knew that, but he said it's not just about bread. Life's not only about bread. Man does not, he should not, he shall not live by bread alone. Life's not just about bread or the physical or the material. Have we forgotten that? Everywhere our students go, they hear we're pushing everything physical and everything material and everything temporal. And I'm wondering, where in the world do they hear about the spiritual bread? Where? Where? I, I go to school and I see, I, and I love it. I love that the counselors are pushing magnet program and that the teachers are pushing milestones and good grades. I love that we have so many athletics and sports and all this. All of that bread, it's getting pushed. But the spiritual bread, the bread that endures, endures for eternity, where's that? Where is that? If not in the home, you say it's in the church. Ain't many people coming and eating it, are they? We don't see our many children. We don't see many youth. That they'll learn. Culture, society will tell them this is what it means to be successful. Eat this bread. Go after this bread. And Jesus said, "Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with scholarships and good grades. Nothing wrong with fine arts. Nothing wrong with jobs and money and houses and cars. Nothing wrong with sports, athletics, academics. But you don't live by that alone. So which has priority?" You see, bread spoils. It molds. So do our backs and our knees, and so does money. Don't, 
Don't work for that bread, Jesus would say. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the, the question is this, which do you prioritize? We know what our culture is going to prioritize, the, the material. We have to prioritize the spiritual, right? I mean, I have to have those conversations just like you, you know, like after a difficult baseball game the other night, you know, Caleb in the car, hey, guess what? It ain't about life, ain't about baseball. Buddy, here's the most important thing. I love you. And tears come through that. Because he knows that resonates with his heart. Hey, it ain't about, it ain't about that. That's the bread that spoils, and it's nothing wrong with it, but it has its place. But what's most important, and I'm even telling another kid in the day, I'm like, you know what's most important? That you're saved and you're getting baptized. Man, that's what's important. That's, that's the things that matter. I don't know that we're teaching it. Even in the dares one, I love it. We got some great schools. We got some great community and great family. We just have to be careful that we're saying it's, it's not just about bread. Which do you prioritize, material or spiritual? It's hard. So go over to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, I want you to see what Jesus does. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He gives them bread. He gives them fish. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with gymnastics. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with volleyball. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with football and baseball and cheerleading and dance. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with golf and fishing. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with, right, I, I like, well, I mean, whatever we could say, like scholarships and good grades. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. We just have to, I'm saying that we have to give priority to the, the higher bread, the spiritual. And in John 6, Jesus has fed the 5,000, the next day, people come to him. They're seeking Jesus. And Jesus will ultimately say, I am the bread of life. But in John 6, 27, and I shared it with SCA at the high school a couple of Fridays ago. Man, it burdened me. John 6, 27. Do not labor. Do not toil. Do not sweat. Do not put all of your effort. Do not labor for the food that perishes. And you got to define that in your life what that food that perishes is. I have it in mind too. Don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternity, to eternal life. Labor for that food first and foremost, and then do the other, but get the priorities right. Don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You don't even work for it. It's freely given. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And Jesus would say, I'm the bread from heaven. I'm the bread of life. And you know what? He didn't give them bread. He didn't give them bread. You ever wondered if somebody went out that day and passed out along the way? Maybe they died of starvation. Jesus didn't give them the cushions. He didn't give them the cookies that they were after. Jesus made it hard. He began to talk about eating bread and eating his flesh and drinking his blood and saying what you need to seek is not the temporal and the material, but you need to seek the spiritual and you need to seek me. In Matthew 6, when Jesus would talk about worry, he would say this, is not life more than food? It's not life more than athletics and academics? Life is more. Jesus would teach in John 6, seek the food that endures to eternity. We just don't hear enough of that. Not on TV, we're not going to see it. We're not going to see it on our phones. We're not going to see it on Facebook. You're not going to hear it from secular schools. You know, it, it'll take, a, it, I mean, you know, godly teachers will come to the side. I'm thankful for them in our community that help. But it's so hard because everything else is being emphasized. 
So what do you do? And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Notice the second part for the second truth. But by, but by, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But by. So the second truth that Jesus attacks with is this. Be dependent on the Father. Above our independence. Be dependent on the Father above our independence. See, the question is, which do you prioritize, the spiritual or the material? But the question is also this, which do you prioritize, independence or dependence? Because what the tempter was doing is saying, you're dependent. No, you're independent. What he's saying is, you're independent. If, if you are the Son of God, then act independently of the Father and command the stones to become bread. You can act independently here and do this. But Jesus roots it back at, no, I'm going to be dependent because it's not by every word that comes from, or excuse me, it's not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there's that play on, would Jesus be independent or would Jesus be dependent on the Father? His timing, His plan, His way, when, when He wanted to give bread or when it was time to eat, it would, be, it would be right. But at that time, it wasn't right. So Jesus wasn't going to act, uh, be uh, unsubmissive to his, to his father. He was going to be submissive. A great, great truth. Depend upon God. His word, his, his bread that endures for eternity to give that priority. And when God says, okay, now these other things can find their natural and right place, the first priority is, is God. So as we move to the application as we close, I, I want to invite you to apply the victory of the first temptation to your life. Christ was victorious for us. We'll see that verse. He suffered for us and so that we can stand victorious. And so let's apply the victory of that first temptation to your life. Maybe a question that we could ask as a way of application is this. Where will you find success and happiness? Where will you find success? Where will you find happiness? I'm looking for success here or here or here. Just be careful that it's not by bread alone. Work for the bread. That, that's where real satisfaction and real happiness is found. It's in Christ. It's in the words that come from the mouth of God. You, ultimately, if I look for it in the pastorate, if you look for it in your job, talk to some of these adults. You, you know, like you, if we find it and we go after happiness and satisfaction in the wrong place, it ultimately just it ends. Next question is, what's the higher priority? What will be the higher priority in your life? What's the higher bread? I think you see. The greater thing for us, even for today, even for the class of 2021, and I just hope and pray that somebody at baccalaureate will communicate this message. The, the greater thing in life that, that's most important is this, dependence upon God, submissiveness to His plan. And He'll use you as, as coaches. He'll use you as architects. He'll use you as teachers. Nothing wrong with those things. but we depend upon Him and we submit to Him and, and He uses those as avenues for the kingdom of God. One wise pastor wrote these words, The highest good is not to satisfy or gratify, but to obey. Do what you do because you're obeying Christ. The highest good, not to satisfy or gratify, but to obey. Another wise pastor said it this way, It's better to obey God's word than to satisfy human desires. But everybody in our culture, they want to do that. 
Ooh, I got to drive. I'm going to go have sex here and eat on this and lust of the flesh here and lust of the eyes and pride of life here because I got all these desires and this is what I want to do and it makes me happy and I'm satisfied and I feel valuable and accepted. And, and whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not about that alone. It's about every word that comes from the mouth of God. Better to obey God's word than give in to just momentary, temporary, fleeting pleasures, the sin. Careful. Herschel Ford in that baccalaureate sermon said this, seek the upper road. The upper road is the road to satisfaction. And that's the secret of the Christian life. That's the secret of the kingdom of God that we, we travel the road less travel. We travel the upper road and it leads to fulfillment and to joy. So as we close, we focus on Christ's victory. We weren't perfect. I've, I've failed at every temptation. I've given into the lust of the flesh. I've given into the lust of the eyes and I've given into the pride of life and so have you. But Jesus did not. So we focus on Jesus' victory. He was tried, he was tested, and he was shown, he was proven to be authentic, to be genuine, to be valuable. We fail the test, Adam failed the test, but Jesus passed the test for us. He remained submissive to the Father. He remained dependent upon the Father and the greater bread. And he endured under trial and temptation, and faith will. And so we pray, God, give us that faith. Faith that will endure the trial and temptation. The last verse I invite you to look at is Hebrews 2.18. Hebrews 2.18 says these words. For because Jesus himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. If we went back to that portrait, because our Savior suffered and went through this for us and he was tempted he now can give us sympathy and compassion and he's able to help us now through the power of the holy spirit who are being tempted class of 2021 or middle school adult middle adult senior adult i would just invite you don't eat the cookies of life eat the bread of life come to christ Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.